Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Pray with me if you would. Father in heaven, we are so grateful. Your love, your mercy, your grace, your presence is overwhelming and it's exciting. We welcome you here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Your word says that in your presence is fullness of joy, and we feel that this morning. Father, you are the one who created all things. You are the one, Lord, who has spoken peace into our lives. And so we honor you, we praise you, we give thanks to you. So bless your word, bless your name. I pray, Father, as we continue, that you would shape us and form us to be more and more like you. And we do thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning as we start. Honor God in our praise. Thank you, worship team. That was phenomenal. By the way, you may be seated. Um, when Alicia went soft on the key, uh, on the voice, and I can hear you all in the back, very nice. <laughs> very good. You got it good. And so I appreciate that uh, very much. Some of you belong up here. <clears throat> right? <laughs> Today, we're going to finish a series, a short series, three weeks of lesson on love is, and we're going to go back to our original text for the series, which is the discourse between Jesus and some uh, followers and some skeptics asking him about this great commandment. Uh, Before we get there, I want to do some housekeeping here this morning and make you aware of some opportunities for ministry and growth uh, that I really, really want you to pay attention to and take advantage of as well. The first one, and you'll see it on the screen, is something that Pastor T talked about last week, which is Right Now Media. This, friends, is a gift from our church to you. We want you to take advantage of this. This is an online subscription to a uh, a Christian-based, faith-based organization that produces uh, discipling videos and teachings uh, to help you continue growing. And so uh, this, some people have compared this to the Netflix of Christianity uh, just because of the volume. Uh, There are over, like I said, 22,000 videos. For kids alone, there's over 1,000 videos of music and lessons. Every category you can think of, uh, women's ministry, men's ministry, leadership, small group Bible studies. Our small group just field tested a a small group study that was phenomenal. Uh, Very, very serious uh, book studies. There's a QR code up on there. I was in uh, in the audience last week testing that. It works. So just do that real quick, and it'll take you right to the site. So You'll get an email from the church uh, with a login, and then when you get that login, you'll, you'll create your username and password, and, uh, and then explore, you know. Uh, there's some great, great opportunities uh, there. And again, all kinds of various categories. So take advantage. We want to do everything we can to enhance and grow and build us up, you know, as disciples. And so that's what that's all about. The second one has to do with our, what we call Pathway to Freedom. It also is a discipling uh, program designed to get you grounded in not only your faith, but the first one is 101, uh, would be to get you grounded in what kind of church Freedom Church is. And so we'll talk next week about the history of Freedom Church 
In 2002, Pastor T and Miss Shanda uh, started this work in Hendersonville High School. And uh, in fact, 10, 12, 12 days from now, we celebrate 19 years as a ministry, which we're very excited about. 19 years of people coming to know Jesus as Savior, of people following him in baptism and being built up in the faith. And so that's exciting. So 101 talks about the history, talks about the mission, vision, and values, uh, where we've been, where we are presently, where we think the Lord has taken us, and so that's 101. And then 201, the next week, 301, 401, we're going to talk about developing quiet times and, and prayer and Bible study and talk about spiritual disciplines. Also in 301, to encourage and show you how you can discover your spiritual gift and, and how God has gifted you for service. The last one on 401 talks about how you can put your story together and share your faith with other people, how to do that, how to introduce that. And so beginning next week, four successive classes, 101, 201, 301, 401, and you'll be blessed. And, and you can sign up through the Connect cards. The sign up, by the way, is just all about us knowing how many chairs and how many books we need. And if you fail to sign up, just show up. You know, don't sign up, show up, and we'll take care of you. Never yet have we kicked anybody out of 101. <clears throat> how about that? All right. <clears throat> Always the first. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <clears throat> I got questions for you. A couple questions as we begin. Just something for us to consider. Number one, do you love yourself? And I know that's odd, right? I'm not the, usually it's not my nature to, hey, do you love yourself? But I'm asking, think about this. Do you love yourself? Question number two is this. Should you love yourself? Because again, it seems like an odd concept. Should you love yourself? <clears throat> a few years back, Whitney Houston sang this song called Greatest Love of All. I mean, she was pretty awesome in her voice. That particular song was great music. The lyrics were a little off. I want to show you this real quick. I decided long ago, and I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to read this to you. I decided long ago, I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadows. If I fail, or if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity. And the chorus goes like this, because the greatest love of all, excuse me, is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve, learning to love yourself. It is the greatest love of all. <clears throat> and again, it's good music, good lyrics, amazing, amazing voice. But the lyrics are off. The truth of the matter is, learning to love yourself is not the greatest love of all. God's love is the greatest love of all. But learning to love yourself is very important and absolutely necessary. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we go back to our, 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 the text that, that we talked about, the, the great commandment, what's the great commandment, um, this discourse between Jesus and a few of those skeptics, what is the greatest commandment in all the law and the prophets? Oh, by, by the way, uh, parenthetically, uh, our roof over here is a little slanted, that's an architectural design, it's really cool, but there's, there's a large amount of ice on there, and what's happening and has happened over the last couple hours as the temperatures increase, <coughs> the ice is letting go and it's falling right, right, right above within this section, okay? So yeah, if you want to, no, I'm just, <coughs> the last hour it happened like three times and between services it happened. So if it happens, just keep going, just roll with it. We're good, we're good, we're all fine. A little dust fell back here, that's no problem. Just don't, just focus here. <laughs> Honestly, it's no problem. So <coughs> the guy came to Jesus, he says, Lord Jesus, what is 
the greatest commandment in all the law and the prophets. How do you summarize it? Can you, I mean, there's 600 laws in the law of Moses, plus the ones that we made up. So how would you summarize the law, the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That is the greatest commandment. The second is just like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. And in that text, in that discourse, in that little phrase, you know, uh, admonition that Jesus just gave them, he shared two great commands that boil down to this, love God, love people. Love God, love people. And in those two commands, there are some qualifiers. That is to say, he tells us how to go about it. Now, I want you to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's how I want you to do it. Love God, all your heart, soul, and mind. Pastor T covered all of these in the last several weeks. As for the second command, he says, here's how you do that. I want you to love your neighbor, here's the qualifier, as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. What does it mean for you and I to love our neighbor as ourselves? What Jesus is saying is this. To love others, our, our, our love for other people is to be modeled after our love for ourselves. Now, as I was preparing for this message, it occurred to me, and it probably occurred to you just now as we talk about it, it seems, again, a little odd. Aren't we, are, are we really supposed to love ourselves? Uh, doesn't the Bible command and say something about denying yourself, taking up your cross and following him? Doesn't the Bible say something uh, about uh, if I love my life, I'll lose it? <clears throat> Didn't uh, someone uh, come up with that joy acrostic, you know, Jesus first, others second, and, and yourself third? Isn't, it, it isn't self-love right up there with, like, pride and conceit? I mean, it doesn't sound right. All good questions. Some of them are right. Some of them not so right. Some of them are just simply understand or misunderstood. I want to explain to you just for a few minutes uh, why proper self-love is not only right, it's biblical. And this is important because it's all about the command, the second great commandment, love your neighbor. That's what we're trying to get to. Love your neighbors. How do we love our neighbors? As you love yourself. So we have to answer this question in order to get to the goal of following and obeying the command of of Jesus Christ. So notice in the text that Jesus does not say that our love for our neighbor, love our neighbors instead of ourselves. We, We are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So it's inarguable. Jesus wants us to love ourselves. And I want to make another bold statement that may raise some eyebrows, and I would, I would say it this way. It is impossible for you to love yourself too much. It is impossible for you to love yourself too much. Now, we can love ourselves in unhealthy ways. We can love ourselves in an unhealthy way, but, but the problem isn't the kind of love. It's actually, uh, it, it's one of kind, it's not degree. So I'll say it again, it's impossible for you to love yourself too much. So what kind of self-love would be unhealthy? Well, actually, we don't need even to use the term self-love in a negative way at all. Because I would suggest that authentic self-love is always healthy. Authentic self-love is also always life-giving. So let's use the term self-centeredness. And self-centeredness would be the issue. That would be the problem. That's where loving ourselves goes wrong. 
Let me uh, share with you uh, that the self-centeredness is claiming a place for ourselves which belongs only to God. Self-centeredness is placing ourselves at the center of our life and pushing God to the periphery. Let me share with you a story about Greek uh, that I read about uh, Greek mythology. Uh, there's a story about a young man named Narcissus. You may have heard about Narcissus. Narcissus was a young man. He was a hunter, and he was known for his beauty. His mother gave birth to this handsome child, you know, and she consulted a psychic, and the psychic predicted that the boy would live a long life as long as he would never recognize himself. And stay with me, it's not like me to give a, a story about Greek mythology, and especially this one, you'll, you'll know why in a minute. But one day, Narcissus was out walking in the woods, and a young girl named Echo saw him, and she fell deeply in love. And she followed him. Narcissus sensed he was being followed, and he said, who's there? And Echo replied, who's there? Because her name is Echo. Thank you very much. So I didn't write this story. I'm just relaying it to you. Eventually, she reveals her identity, and what she does is she attempts to embrace him. He pushes back. She says, no, 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 no. She's upset. She spends the rest of her day roaming the woods, and she comes, becomes, you know, nothing but an echo in the culture. Well, enter a new character. His name is Nemesis. Nemesis was some kind of god, and so Nemesis was like, I don't like the way that went down. I don't like the way Narcissus treated Echo and this behavior, and, and so one day during the summer, he, uh, Narcissus was out hunting. He got thirsty. This goddess Narc uh, Nemesis led him, lured him over to a, a pool of water, and when he looked into the pool of water, he saw his reflection, and he became enamored so much so that he could not take his eyes off of his reflection. He did not realize it was him. He was staring at him, but he didn't get it. He didn't, that didn't check in the box. It, it just didn't occur to him that that was him. But this figure became someone he was enthralled with. And as the story goes, and again, it's a myth, it's a Greek mythology, uh, he fell in love with his reflection. He fell in love with himself. And so now, you know, you know where we get the, door, uh, the, get the word narcissist. The word narcissist is, is one of fixation of oneself. And we're talking about loving ourselves, but we're talking about unhealthy ways to love ourselves. And so narcissism is this personality disorder. It's a condition marked by grandiosity. It's excessive need for admiration. It is an inability to emphasize. And so what I'm suggesting, what I'm saying is this. Not self-love. It's, it's, it's unhealthy narcissism. Self-centeredness. It's not self-love. Not healthy. Not healthy in the term as, as the biblical meaning for it. And so it was destructive. And life wasn't made. We weren't made to act like that or to live like that. And the story of narcissism is a little out there, right? It's extreme. But we get the point. Our world was created with, to, to, to have a God-centered environment. Our world was created to function in a God-centered way. And friends, nothing will work out until we understand that and get in line with it. Again, understand, while we could do with less self-centeredness, we don't need less self-love. And I would go so far as to even say that one of our biggest problems is that we fail to love ourselves enough. However many problems are caused by conceit, 
A far, far greater number of problems is caused, I believe, by, self, by a low self-image. And I know a lot of people who sell themselves short, and it's sad, and they won't attempt anything of significance. Why? Because they don't believe in themselves. And maybe you're one of them, and maybe when you're a child, you were told you were dumb or slow or ugly or bad, and you supply the adjective, but somewhere along the way, someone gave you a negative self-image, and you embraced it, and you've never moved beyond that point. And so much of our daily discontent comes from the fact that so many of us are more aware of our weaknesses than we are our strengths. So many of us are more aware of our failures than our successes, our limitations more so than our gifts. And friends, it causes a lot of problems. So listen carefully, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is or your life experience, there is something about you worth loving because you are a child of God. You are unique. You are an unrepeatable miracle of God's creative power, and no one was, in all the world is exactly like you, and it's good to be you. It's good to be you, and so I encourage you not to ever say things to yourselves like, oh, I'm not important, you know? My life doesn't count for much. I don't have a whole lot to offer. I, I can't make any contribution. I don't have any talent. Listen, that is an insult to your creator. That is an insult to God. To say that you were without gifts is to discredit God's creation. God does not create anyone without a gift or without a capacity for contribution. You might remember the old bumper sticker, God don't make no junk. It's true. He just, he doesn't. And so don't worry about thinking too highly of yourself as long as you remember that all these good gifts actually come down from your Father God. And so celebrate that. It's not a matter of pride. It's not a matter of conceit. It's a matter of thanksgiving. As I say, God, thank you, you know. Thank you for this. I want to honor you because of it. The truth is, By faith in Christ, we are the children of a Father who loves us very much. We are the sons and daughters of God, and our problem is not thinking too highly of ourselves. Our problem is in catching up with the Bible's vision of our greatness. Your worth is not dependent upon your appearance. Your worth in life is not dependent upon your ability or your performance. You are a person of worth because you're a child of God. You are one for whom Christ died And I'm saying this, if you understand that, then you can love yourself and and love others as you love yourself with the best of all possible reasons. Simply this, God loves me. God loves me, so I must be worth loving. And it's exactly right. And who am I to argue with God? So I say, repeat this over in your mind, over and over, I'm a child of God. Jesus loves me. He died for me, for me. So for us, as followers of Jesus, those who have put their faith in Christ, that's where everything starts. You know, the first thing we experience is the love from the Father God, you know. So God's love comes to us, and then we begin to love ourselves in a healthy way. Then then loving ourselves, finding our identity in Christ, and that having made us secure and confident, then I can reach out and love others properly. And that's what Jesus is suggesting. That's the way it works. It begins with God, it flows through us, and extends to our neighbor. And we cannot love our neighbors until we love ourselves. And and when we do not love ourselves, our attention turns inward, and we become obsessed with ourselves, and we spend our lives frantically trying to earn love and achieve respect to prove our worth. And we use our neighbors rather than love them. We try to achieve all these things. The truth is, 
It's only when we have received God's love and we've come to love ourselves that in the security of that, we are able to turn our attention uh, to others. And it's simply a way of passing on to others what we received from God. So Jesus says, love your neighbors as you love yourself. Quickly, how do we do that? Let me give you two things. Number one, loving yourself means to accept yourself as you are. We agree to be who we are. And the way we can do this is by stop putting ourselves down for not being someone else. Stop ridiculing yourself for not having that talent or looking like that or owning this car or having this size education or that bank account. Stop putting yourself down. If I could just, wouldn't it be nice if, if only this. Instead, become like this. This is silly, but it's helpful and and it's good and it's proper. There's a gentleman who, uh, in the war, he lost his leg and he had a difficult time getting through this. And he had a problem, you know, uh, trying to figure out what's going on in my life. My life is over. I'm not worth anything anymore. And literally something one day changed his life. And his friend noticed, like, what's different about you? What's going on? He said, well, today I decided I'm going to be a one-legged man. And what he was saying there is, is very key. I, today, am going to accept myself limitations and strengths, weaknesses and strengths. I, I know that I'm not all that. That's okay. I'm good. There's still value here. There's still strength. There's still giftedness. I can accept myself, and, 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 and I can love myself for who I am. So that's the first thing. How do we love ourselves properly? Well, accept yourselves for who you are. Number two, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. God is already forgiving you. A lot of times it's hard, you know, this concept of forgiving ourselves. The fact is no one is perfect, everyone has sinned, everybody's made mistakes, that's what sunsets are for, that's why God allows us to turn the curtain down on the day, at the end of the day, God wants us to cut free from that and move on to live another day. Yesterday ended last night, so whatever your past has been, it doesn't have to cast a shadow on your future because God has been faithful to you, you're forgiven. Accept his forgiveness, forgive yourself. Now you know this, I mean we're a smart group here, you can never get away from you. So wherever you go, that's where you are, right? You're stuck with yourself. So why not become a person you can like? And it's okay to like yourself. It's good to love yourself. In fact, it's necessary in order to love others as Jesus commands us to. So in summary, according to the Bible, there are three things needed, three steps to a good life. First of all, receive God's love. Receive God's love. Love him in return above all else heart, soul, and mind. As a result of that, you can love yourself in a healthy, life-giving way. And then, as a result of that, you can love your neighbor. Because that's where we're going here this morning. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, let's look at the Bible here in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. We're going to spend the rest of this uh, lesson this morning in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 10. And we're just going to strengthen, maybe give some substance and solid material here to this concept of loving ourselves. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. This is a letter written to the Christian people in the city of Ephesus. It was written by the Apostle Paul. The first three verses, just to summarize, talk about how that we screw up, we mess up. We're not perfect people. And, 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 and uh, we, we don't have any claim to fame in this particular way. And yet, verse 4, here's how Paul begins to describe God 
and what God is like, because this is going to be key as to you loving yourself. Listen to what he says, verse 4. God is so rich in mercy. By the way, this is, don't you love when God butts in? He said, yeah, you're all not right. You're not good. You're messed up. You're screwed up. You have sinning, but God. And here he comes with one of his interruptions. And he's saying this, you're, it's not over, the story's not over. Yeah, you, you are messed up, you screwed up, you're not all that, but the story's not over. Listen closely. But God, who is rich in mercy. You know, when I grew up, I mean rich, the word, I remember this uh, very clearly. Um, family reunion, I don't know why I remember it. We had a great, great, great family um, over in my uncle's house, and he had a large garden, and we just feasted off the, the land there on these various, you know, Labor Day, Memorial Day, things along that nature, July 4th. And I remember a conversation that uh, my uncle had uh, with those who were sitting around. I was just a young child at this point, and he just talked about how wealthy we were, how rich we were, and it had nothing to do with finance. It had everything to do with things along the nature of freedom and faith and God and our heritage. And it was very, very powerful to me as a, as a young person. And that's what we're talking about here. God is so loaded. I mean, he's, he is, he's got the goods. He is just filled to overflowing with what? Mercy. And he loves us so much. What is mercy? Well, mercy is keeping you from what you deserve. As young kids, you know, we were growing up and our siblings did something wrong. And we love to say things, oh, you're going to get it. And we love to sing those last two words for some reason. You're going to get it. And then when it was us, we'd be like, no, I don't want it. <laughs> I want mercy. I want mercy. Mercy is what I'm looking for. Yes, we are. We're only, we only want justice when it's, when it's the other person. But when it's us, we want mercy. And mercy means not getting what I truly deserve in this moment. Mercy means not getting it. And all of us know how to beg for mercy. But look at this great and astonishing news. God, the Bible says, is rich in mercy. Why then? Why is it that you and I, when we fail, we run from this God who is rich in mercy? We run and as if we've exhausted his mercy and that he doesn't have any more for us. Like God is suddenly bankrupt of mercy and we are no longer loved or accepted by him. And so often we evaluate our relationship with God on how we think we did this week. And, and, or, or didn't do, like maybe I messed up and, and I did something wrong, I would feel disappointed, like I disappointed God. And well, I mean, I might as well not even show up because he's not going to love me now. Uh, he's not going to accept me now. I feel guilty. I feel bad. So then we bargain with God and we say, God, you know, if you accept me back, take me back. I'll do this. I'll give more. I'll read more. I'll be the right person. And as human beings, that's what we do. But Paul said, but God, who is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much. Verse 5, even though we were dead because of our sins, what he's doing here is He's, grace is actually teaching us. Grace teaches us our true condition. He's not overlooking it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you, you all, uh, you were dead in your sins. I remember running with the guys growing up, you know, and we'd do something stupid and we'd be like, oh, geez, we're dead. Yeah. Yeah, so Paul is saying he's not, uh, he's not watching over this. Grace teaches us our true condition. 
God is rich in mercy. He loves us so much. By the way, you're dead because of your sins, and, and, and so uh, you need to uh, understand proper theology, even though, he says, you're dead because of your sins. God knows everything you've done. You can't fool God. You can't hide from God. He's the one person who knows everything about you, and here's the amazing truth. He loves you anyway. We resist that, and we think there's no way, but there is a way. God knows everything about you and still loves you. Even though we're dead because of our sins, what did God do? Verse number six, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, God knew what you did, and he sent Jesus to pay for it anyway. God knew where we were at, and he's still willing to allow Christ to come down, to, to become human, to identify with the human condition, to understand our dilemma, and still willing, willing to, to die on our behalf. And I don't know how that affects you, friends, but I kind of tell you in my mind, it just blows my mind. It's just so awesome and amazing. But God, who is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, not your daddy's sins, by the way, not your mommy's sins, your sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And then he adds there, it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. In other words, there's nothing that you can do to merit what God does on your behalf. God does not look at you based on what you have done, but based on what Jesus has done on your behalf. You may begin to think differently. Again, you, not for, it's not about what we have done or do. It's only what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. And we need to condition ourselves to understand truth. And that takes exposure. That takes consistent over and over again. And we'll get to that in just a moment. In other words, nothing that you do merits what God did on your behalf. Verse number six, he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So our identity is in Christ. Our identity is with Christ. Jesus brought it full circle. Jesus left dignity. He comes down to depravity and he paid for what he didn't owe. Jesus took our sins in his own body, rising from the dead, took us back to glory, back to dignity, and you can't get any higher than that, to sit with him in the hell, heavenly places. That's exactly what God did on your behalf, and there's absolutely nothing that you need to do to merit this, to merit this grace or goodness of God. It's given to you freely. It is something that Christ did on your behalf. Verse number seven. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace. Look at this verse. God can actually point to us in all future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. That's kind of a cool verse to me. Just thinking about what he says about using us, pointing to us in all future ages as an example of this wealth of grace, this wealth of mercy, you know. It's like he was communicating to someone, and he was trying to figure it out, and he's looking around. Look at Will here. Example. Here's an example of my grace. Here's an example of my, you know Will, right? I mean, he's, he's messed it up. I mean, he's a screw, but I love him so much. I've gifted him. I've created him. He belongs to me. And that's what the Bible is saying. That's what God is teaching us here. He can actually point to us as examples. So those of you who have, by faith, said yes to Jesus, 
can be an example of his love and light to other people so that he can actually point you and say, that's right, another trophy of grace, another trophy of grace. Looky here, mercy, grace. Verse number eight, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Notice this, God saved you by his grace, we get that, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this, it is the gift of God. Now, the only time that grace works on your behalf is when you have the courage to believe. We know that God resists the proud, which means as long as you believe there is something you can do to deserve God's favor, you will continue to short-circuit God's grace in your life. You do not have to perform for God. You don't have to pretend to put on an act for God. You don't have to hide. You can relax. You can relax and know that your Father loves you just as you are. Look at verse number nine. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. You know, when, down through the years when I talk to people about their faith and, and I ask them about their heritage and I ask them to explain to me where they have been from their, you know, a spiritual standpoint, honestly, I, I think 80%, maybe even a little low, but 80%, 8 out of 10 people always say the same thing. It's like, you know what? Actually, I kind of feel like I'm okay. I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. And I always follow that with, that sounds good. Now, what do you base that on? How do you assess that? Well, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, thank you, first of all. <laughs> thank you. But salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Oh, so, okay, good people don't go to heaven. Exactly. Good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. And so, the people who go to heaven are those who realize that they were an utter failure and God gave them exactly what they didn't deserve, mercy. And, and, and they had the guts to believe and God sent his only son into this world to make a way for all of us. God loves us and made a way for all of us, every single person on this planet. Why? Because he was willing to give his son's life. He was willing to do whatever it takes, whatever was necessary to make a way home for us. And then verse 10, the Bible says we are God's masterpiece. Have you ever realized that? We are artwork to God in the eyes of God. God Almighty created you as a masterpiece. You're an original. There's no one like you. You're unique. You're special. You're a masterpiece. And listen closely. Do not allow the world around you to convince you that you were worthless. Listen to me. Only in the mirror of God's word will you ever learn the truth. Only when you allow what God has said about you to penetrate all of the lies that you have believed for so long. I mean, you don't even realize they're lies. When the word of God gets inside of you, it exposes the enemy, what the enemy has done to try to hold you back and keep you from being what God created you to be. You're God's masterpiece. Let's keep reading. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. You, friends, unconditionally and totally accepted and loved by him. Red, yellow, black, and white, Faith in Jesus, you are a child of the living God. You are precious, you are loved, all because God's grace on your behalf. So you see, it's grace that humbles us without degrading us and leads us to the realization that I need a Savior. And then what it does is it points me to that Savior. 
Jesus Christ. What you and I have needed, God has provided through Jesus. And you don't have to earn it. You simply have to accept it and believe it. And Jesus said, now listen, if you continue in my word, then, then, then you'll know the truth. And the truth is what's going to set you free. And you won't ever have to worry about grace giving you a bad theology. Grace never tells you that you are a worthless, dirty, rotten sinner. Grace never suggests to you that God could never love the likes of you. Grace doesn't allow that to embrace your reality. Grace teaches you that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Grace shows us our identity. Shows us our identity is defined by who we are, not by what we do. And so being a child of God, being gives birth to doing. Doing never gives birth to doing. The whole point is this. The more I identify and understand who I am in Jesus, the more I receive his love and receive his mercy, receive his grace, the higher my confidence gets, the higher my faith gets, the stronger my belief gets to the point where now I can accept and love myself and all of a sudden love other people. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor. Make sure you love yourself. You're not going to be able to love your neighbor until you love yourself. Let me tell you about who I am and what I've done for you. Now you're getting it. You understand mercy and grace. I accept that. Reach out for it. Embrace it. Yes, now love others. Love others. How do I do it? Two quick things and we're done. Application points, action points, if you will. Number one, constant exposure to the word of God. Constant exposure to the Word of God. Let me, quick little uh, <clears throat> illustration. A couple years ago, before I came to Freedom, Shelly and I ministered in, in South Florida. And so it was a situation there where the, the, the temperature was always very, very way excessive for my taste. You know, I'm, I was born and raised in Ohio. Most of our lives was, were in uh, Virginia. And we like the four seasons. We, we kind of like it here in the Nashville area. And so uh, down there every day, you know, we'd wake up, walk the dog, it's already 80 degrees, 7 in the morning. And we go to bed, you know, it's already, it's still 85 degrees. I remember one Christmas Eve, I'm ministering, and we had all kinds of services going on, and we had a lot of things happening, and we were at the church at midnight, and no lie, friends, it's 85 disease, uh, degrees. Over a period of time, yeah, thank you. Oh. Over a period of time, my skin, my skin, you know, started getting more and more tan. I mean, well, I'm not really into that sort of thing, but I noticed. I didn't notice till I came to Tennessee and noticed you all, right? And so I was like, what? this effect of the sun. And what was that? Well, living there again, every day, little by little, by little by little, every day, constant, consistent exposure to the sun changed me. And I'm suggesting to you, when it comes to your identity, who you are in Christ, who he is on your behalf. You can grow and get strength and get faith and gain confidence and, and get rid of doubts when you constantly are exposed to the word of God in your life. Develop a time with God in prayer and daily reading. Every day, constant, consistent, little by little by little, the effect is transformational. 
when Moses went off the scene and he had led the nation of Israel to the promised land and God said, okay, it's time to come home. They passed the mantle to Joshua, a young military leader, and he took over leadership of the nation of Israel. And what did God tell him in Joshua chapter one and verse eight? I want to read this to you. This is a late entry into the outline, but here it goes. Study this book of instruction continually. What book of instruction? He's talking about the Old Testament law of Moses. Study this book continually meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey in everything written in it. And then watch this. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So our challenge for this series, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. How can I do this? How can I get to that position? Constant exposure to God's word. Make it a part of your life. The more you allow the light of God's truth to shine in your heart, the more it changes you from the inside out. Secondly, fellowship and encouragement in a faith community. And around here, we call them connection groups, and we're always bringing that up, you know, trying to encourage one. Uh, why do we always do that? Why are we always kind of talking from the stage and in our in our uh, social media pages about getting connected, getting connected because we believe life is done better together and, and, and we feel like uh, we need each other. And so as we walk in faith, we need the support, right? And the encouragement and the reminders and the accountability and the example of friends as we get into this word, friends that are like-minded, in love with God as we are, and we, we do life together and we grow and we can serve and we can love God and love others as we love ourselves. That's why it's so important and imperative. I challenge you, get into a group, get with a group somewhere around God's word and allow him to shape you, to form you, to reform you for his glory and his image. Would you bow your heads with me, please? We'll pray together. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful, Lord, for revealing and showing us yourself to us. We're so grateful for your mercy. You know, that verse where Paul says, you're rich in mercy. Even the psalmist said, Lord, your mercy endures forever. I mean, he said it over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. So we honor you and we say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. If you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, I don't really know him, I would suggest to you your most important relationship, your most important decision in life is to gain the courage to say, Jesus Christ, I need you. I believe by faith that you are who you said you are and I accept your love. I need your love, I accept your love. Rescue me, save me, forgive me of my sin. And if that's you this morning, I would encourage you, whether you're online, whether you're here in person, if that's your need, why not today make the greatest decision you can possibly make? It's a decision you'll never regret. In the quietness of this moment where you're seated, just talk to the Lord. He will hear. And you can leave here as a child of God adopted into the family of God. If you're here today and you say, well, I do love God. I want to love God. I've been a believer in Christ. You know, I, 
followed him for years. You know, I was not sure that uh, I'm real good at loving others because I'm not sure that I love myself. Quick story. Um, I talked to a young man. He came to me one day, summer camp years ago. He said, Pastor Jim, I want you to pray for me. I want you to talk to you about this. He said, I feel like God's calling me to be a, a pastor. Pastor of a church. Hey, that's cool. Now let's talk about it. He said, yeah, there's a problem. There's something I, I, I'm working on. I can't seem to get through it. I said, what's that? See, the problem with the fact that I called to be a pastor is I don't like people. I'm like, that is a problem. That is going to be a real big problem. So we had a great discussion on who he thought God is and who he thought he was and how he personally responded to God. That's what we're talking about. Because you can only love others as you love yourself. You can only love yourself as you receive love from your Heavenly Father. If that's you this morning, again, just simply talk to the God who loves and knows you. Father, help me, I pray. I reach to you. I believe in you. I want to accept your love for me. And I want to be that kind of person that you desire and you created me to be, this special masterpiece given to you to honor you and to serve you in life, you know, and be an example to others that they can point to and say, he's in love with God and, and he loves me. It all begins with that understanding of receiving God's love and then finding your identity in Christ and loving him. Pray that way. Pray that way. Father, as we continue, I pray in Jesus' name that you would continue to heal where healing is needed, minister and strengthen where it's needed. I pray that you would encourage and support. God, we need you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work miracles in our lives as we look to you, break down the enemies, block the, the mind blocks. God, I ask that you would clear this path Release us to freedom in Jesus. Bless your name, I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today online. We know that you weren't able to join us in the auditorium, but that's totally fine because you've made this a priority in your life to make sure that you are receiving God's word. If you received Christ for the first time today, that's absolutely awesome, but we want to know about it. So if you can, if you're on Facebook, in the description there's a link. Go ahead and hit that and fill it out. Uh, on our connection card that you receive Christ. If you're on our website, if you're on an app, hit the menu at the top and you can do the same thing from there. So if you're already on the connection card, you probably are noticing some other next steps that might be interesting to you. If you are interested in any one of those, just check those and when you submit that, it'll inform us and we can be in contact with you to answer any questions that you may have about those next steps. So this is the time of our service where we're gonna jump into our giving. At Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. This is just another act of worship where we trust God with what He has blessed us with. If you're on Facebook, again, in the description, there's a link there. You can give securely, safely on the website and the app. Also in that menu, you can see a place to do that as well. But just because we're in the, the time of technology doesn't mean you can't do it the old-fashioned way. There is an address at the bottom of the screen that you can send it to and it'll, come, it'll show up safe as well. Or just drop it by the office anytime Monday through Thursday between 8 and 5 and we will receive it. Other than that, you have a great day.
Good morning, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed today's service. I just wanted to kind of wrap up and give you guys some next steps. If you have given your life to Christ today, that's awesome, and we want to know about it. Um, if you are watching online or on the app, we have a little hamburger icon you can click on, and it'll take you to the connection card, and you can just mark that for us. And if you're on Facebook, if you go to the description, you can find a link, and it'll take you to the connection card. While you're there, you might see some other next steps. If you're interested in any of those next steps, just mark that too, and uh, we'll get that, and we'll be more than happy to work with you about your walk with Christ and what um, is going to happen after today. We're going to move into a time of giving. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that you can't outgive God. If you are on the app or the website, you can just go to that same um, icon and click the link to give, and if you're on Facebook, you can go to the link in the description. Um, and if you would like to send in your tithe, you can do that. We'll have the address to the church right here on the screen, and we'll get that safe and secure. We hope you guys have a great day, and peace out.